Hi everyone and welcome to a new year of basketball, Boilermaker style for the 93-94 season and welcome to our first Gene Cady show and we bring in the coach, 14th year, correct? 14 years and that seems like yesterday so I imagine a lot of people that seems like longer than that but uh, we're happy to get started this year and it's going to be uh, hopefully a very exciting year Larry. Welcome back to Cady Corner. Our second go-round will take us through the 1993-1994 Big Ten Championship season, a year where the Big Dog became a legend and the Boilermakers came within a whisper of getting Coach Gene Cady to the Final Four. In the season's first episode, Coach Cady and host Larry Clisby set the stage for the 93-94 season by looking back at the 92-93 campaign, the way it ended, and how the summer of 93 was crucial for the success that was to come. You'll also hear a special recruiting segment where assistant coach Frank Kendrick joins the set to talk about the new signees, including high school seniors Chad Austin and Brad Miller. Without further ado, from November 1993, here's Katie Corner. And welcome to our first Gene Katie show, and we bring in the coach for a new season. Let's see, this is uh, 14th year, correct? 14 years, and that seems like yesterday, so I imagine a lot of people that seems like longer than that, but uh, we're happy to get started this year, and it's going to be uh, hopefully a very exciting year, Larry, because we've got some get kids back there older now and been through some wars overseas, and uh, we, we hope that that, uh, that paid off for us when we went to Europe in May. Yeah, let's look at some history for just a moment. Last year, your team went 9-0 and in the preseason, and uh, got his rank, ranked as high as number 9, and then through the Big Ten season, went 9-9, nine and nine. and I think... Uh, when the season started, if everyone said, hey, if we can go 9 and 9, 10 or 8 or something like that, it would be a good season. And I think what happened was that after you went 9 and 0, everyone thought that maybe 9 and 9 wasn't as good as you might have thought it would be, or at least they thought. But I think in your mind, you thought it was all right. Well, it, reality uh, got away from us a little bit there, Larry, because you beat Connecticut in the Hall of Fame game early, and they were rated at the time, I think, yeah. 17th. And then uh, you win some games in between there that was pretty good. Uh, year before UTIP had beaten Kansas in the NCAA and we, we beat them out in the Sun Bowl, beat Florida out there and those three teams, Connecticut, Florida and UTIP you think are pretty good. Well unfortunately neither, none of those three made the NCAA so our schedule wasn't nearly as tough as we thought it was early but uh, you know 9-0 and and you're off to a great start but then the Big Ten start and real uh, reality hit us. Yeah well that was a heck of a league last year as you know and uh, uh, he ended up 9-9, nine and nine, of course, went out in the first game against Rhode Island. But as soon as that was over, you, you attended to some business and then immediately went overseas. And uh, I think you feel that uh, coming into the season, that was it's always been beneficial to get that trip. Well, we thought that the Rhode Island game was a real eye-opener for our kids that uh, they came back and, you know, there's no more games to play. And all of a sudden, boom, it hits you that uh, season's over and uh, people are kind of riled up back here, including the coaches. And uh, we have a chance now to insert a new leg lifting program which we got from the Bulls. I think that's really going to help our kids with three-point shooting, uh, probably made us stronger around the boards hopefully and and uh, just maybe more mature and then we get to take about four weeks of that weightlifting over to Europe with us in May after finals are over and we thought we had a very successful trip over there. It was uh, uh, very educational to be able to go into London and Paris and Brussels and the surrounding towns and to play nine games and go seven and two, we thought especially our sophomores, uh, Todd Foster and uh, Herb Dove, Justin Jennings, uh, Porter Roberts really got a lot of good out of that trip. And, you know, a lot of those kids, you just couldn't afford the minutes to them last year. I mean, that was their first year. I mean, you're trying to win ball games, and 
they probably didn't get as many minutes as they would like or you would have liked to have given them. And then uh, by taking that trip, then, of course, that afforded the luxury to get everybody a lot of time. That's true. I, I, we got Porter got a lot of minutes last year, but certainly Herb and Justin and Todd uh, needed more, and that uh, trip gave us that. So, And then our older kids, I think, became a little more uh, proud of their leadership abilities, and uh, that's got to be a big factor. Finally, now we have four seniors, and I've always in, been a believer that when you have seniors, you have a chance to have a pretty good team. You know, if they have a uh, deep-seated desire to win big. Uh, these four kids are, have been here now, been through a lot of different situations, and hopefully they know what it takes to lead us through some tough times. Well, I think what uh, a lot of the fans saw in the exhibition games at Mackey Arena, Coach, was the fact that, uh, one, you had matured a great deal. It looks, uh, two, like the team really enjoys, uh, has a feeling for each other that maybe they didn't have last year because a lot of them were so new. And the other thing, I think, is their physical strength. I mean, even guys like Glenn, who have bulked up a little bit, look stronger, more confident, things like that? Well, we think that the players have all worked on the game, individual game, offensive game, uh, over the summer to the point that they're much more confident in their shooting, for example, hopefully at least, and you won't know that till you get into some uh, deeper part of the season. But uh, we could see right away in our practice sessions, and as you know, up to last year you had been practicing since October 15th, and you could work more on fundamentals and do some of the things, experiment a little bit with different uh, lineups and so on. But now you've got to jump right in there, and I can tell you that because of that trip overseas and because of our kids being older, that we are setting better screens, and we are moving better without the ball, and we're playing a little more consistent defense in practice. So a lot of things have changed, and then, then we really rebounded better in the exhibition games. So we hope that, that uh, you know, that's one of those situations where you had to fight through some immaturity, some tough times to get where you want to be, maybe. And, uh, you know, chemistry changes over the summer, too, so... We'll have to wait and see about that also. Joining us now is Frank Kendrick, one of Purdue's assistant coaches. And Frank, of course, is uh, in charge of recruiting. And uh, Coach, uh, a really good uh, uh, recruiting class for you guys. Uh, I know you're very happy about it. you got three signed here in the early period. And I know you're both pretty happy, huh? Well, we did have, four, as you know, four scholarships open. And uh, it was one of those years we had a chance to really go out and uh, beat the bushes and see some kids in July during the camps. and. Uh, and we'd already had some people in mind before that. So it was one of those uh, years where uh, we really think that we got three players uh, signed now or committed to us uh, through the National Letter of Intent that, uh, that's really going to be contributors. And I think they all three may play quite a bit as freshmen. And, you know, you don't say that very often. Frank, let's talk about these guys and let's look at them first off uh, in terms of who these players are. But uh, I, I know you've got to be pleased. Uh, Here's the list of the three that have been signed. Uh, Chad Austin, of course, was an outstanding prep player at uh, Richmond High School, played on the state championship team his junior year, and now is in prep school. And then Brad Miller on the bottom there is a 6'11 kid that also is in prep school with Chad. They're playing together. And then, of course, David Lesman is, uh, is a player that no one ever heard about that uh, right now is one of the raves of the country, and he, I don't think, has played a high school game yet. So. Uh, let's just go in order here, Frank. First of all, Chad Austin, who is a, a young man who's had great success in high school and maybe have, has improved a great deal over the last year. He's, a, he's improved tremendously. He has a tremendous work ethic. Chad's about 6'2", six, 6'3", six, now, and uh, he's out there in the prep school. He lifts weights about three times a week, and he really works on his shot. He wants to be a real good shooter like his brother, but he does so many other good things uh, defensively and uh, his coach out there says he's just relentless on the basketball court. So, uh, and he's been in a press system with Coach Griffith over Richmond 
for years, so he knows how to get out and press and, and play people, and he knows how to win because he won the state championship. So uh, we're awful happy to have Chad and probably even lucky to have him. Well, I know there's people in Lafayette that uh, don't like him. They'll love him when they get here, but he's, <laughs> he's a guy at that three-pointer sent a game to overtime a few years ago and beat Lafayette Jeff. What about um, uh, uh, Miller now, Brad Miller, who uh, uh, they say, uh, from what we understand, is a kid that can really run the floor well. He's got great size, good hands. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a kid that Coach Weber had seen a lot and watched him a lot, and I hadn't seen him a lot until this summer, and Coach Weber really liked him, and he always talked about him. He told me to go see him, and once I went out and saw him, uh, uh, I liked him. I liked him a lot. I, I loved the way he ran the court for a guy as big as he was. When I saw him at Nike, he was getting up and down the court, and people were missing layups, and he was catching them and dunking them back in with two hands. So I was really impressed uh, with that mobility and that speed that he showed to get up and down the floor to be as big as he was. So, uh, and he made him grow some more because he's just 17. And if he can continue to grow and keep that, uh, that uh, agility he has, uh, we're really going to have something special. Well, let's talk now about the uh, Lesman story now because this is one that came out of uh – uh, out of left field in, in some respects, uh, and I know you know the whole story because you guys are the ones behind it. Yeah, he's uh, Dave is a kid from Pierre, France, which is a suburb of Paris, and uh, he's about he's six eight, just like you said. He's a, just a, a great athlete, a tremendous shooter, a great ball handler, and uh, he's one of the better players to come out of France. Uh, he and his buddy up in Michigan, they won. The, they were the first French team to ever win the European Junior National Championship. So the, you know, that's a big piece of history in itself. So that tells you something there that he's got a tremendous work ethic and a lot of talent to go along with it. Uh, he's going to be, I think, not, not many people have seen him play this year, so they really can't comment him. So I kind of like smile about it uh, since Coach and I have seen him play. Uh, I, I, I'm just going to sit back and uh, just watch and see what happens. But I think he's going to be a tremendous uh, player this year. But what was the connection there? I mean, what was the Purdue connection with him? Well, he uh, he grew up, like I said, in Paris. Javon Price, who was a very close friend of mine. He's like a brother. We were roommates and teammates here, here at Purdue. Uh, Javon lives in, he's been living in France now for over 15 years. He has a French citizenship. And uh, he, he and David, David's like, have been like a son of his. Matter of fact, he joked, he brought David home with him a couple of summers ago from Paris and told his mom that was her grandson. <laughs> and so he had her believing that for about a week, and she called me and said, Javon, Frank, did you know anything about Javon having a son? You know, so I said, no, that's news to me. You know, so he, he really had her going for a while uh, about David actually being his son, but he's kind of like his son. And Javon had told me years ago that I got a guy that's going to be a player. He's a player. He's like my son. And he brought him up, and he said, you should take a look at him. And he came over to the States with Javon that summer and uh, had a chance to see him, and, and uh, he was right on the money. The good thing about it is... Uh, he could shoot, and Jovan couldn't. Well, um, I know that uh, he'll be playing at Robinson, Illinois. He'll be playing a senior in high school as an exchange student. And, and, and Gene, I guess, in the final issue in recruiting, uh, you still have one open and, and possibly two, and, and you still have some other needs that you'd like to address. But you're in a good situation. you got one at each position so far. Well, we want to try to get a point guard or maybe uh, you know one extreme the other here, but a center or a point guard if we can. And, and uh, I think a priority right now is to get a ball-handling guard that can come in was quick to put pressure on the ball, that sort of thing. So uh, that's where we are. And then we're going to look at some junior college kids probably, but we'll have to wait and see. And uh, uh, that's whatever is available or out there, we'll get after, of course. Well, and, and we all say the same thing. It's fine uh, what they bring in with. It's a lot different when they leave with. And uh, these guys know that more than anything. But looks like a great class. Congratulations, Frank. And, 
uh, Bruce and uh, your crew, and uh, thanks for joining us on the show. Well, thank you. Always good being here, Larry, and seeing you, too, giving oh, you a hard time. And you're being real nice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, a new segment this year is we're going to have a, a coach segment. Hey, coach, uh, giving the uh, fans in the stands an opportunity to present some questions to Coach Katie. And if you know him like I do, uh, he'll be glad to answer most of them, I'm sure. And uh, this week, uh, we really only have one question for him. And, of course, this comes in form of a gentleman who had his own basketball team over at Mac Arena for an extended period of time just a few weeks ago, uh, getting ready for the current NBA season. So let's hear from him. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm honored to be here, and I, I appreciate, Coach Katie, you letting us use your facility. It was, it was a great camp. Um, the question I'd really like to ask is, why have you gone to wearing baggy pants now? I always felt you were a stylist, and now I see you in these baggy pants. I guess I gonna, I'm going to have to change. <laughs> we're just having some fun with you, Coach. We figured it took us so it was so hard to get Larry to do that for us. We had to come up with something, you know. Well, Larry, I has always been a coach I've highly respected. He, he's done a great job wherever he's been, and it's good to have him in the state. And I want to wish the Pacers the best of luck, of course. And we're all pulling for him. They're kind of off to a rough start right now, but I know they're going to get it turned around with him at the helm. So, uh, uh, you know, baggy pants. Maybe that's a compliment because I did lose a little weight. But <laughs> you have. I'm not baggy, baggy much anymore. So maybe I get them baggier. Here one of these days. Yeah, Larry's a little bit like Jim Collado. He's finding out it's hard to beat people when you know how many players have. <laughs> they had so many injuries. Let's talk about the new rule changes, Coach, because there are some significant rule changes coming into the season. Obviously, the one at the top of the list here is the one that everybody knows about. That's the 45-second clock switched to 35 seconds. However, the one right underneath there, uh, Gene, is the one that I know you'd like to talk about, no longer a five-second uh, violation for dribbling or holding the ball. Well, I think the first one, the, the 35 seconds, is going to cause uh, more people to press to see if uh, they can get it down where you have to take a quick shot, but I'm not sure how much that's going to affect. I personally don't think that's going to change uh, the game a whole lot. Now, the second one where you have no count on the dribble is going to change the game, I think, a whole lot because I think it's going to create some uh, major upsets this year. If you can spread people out, run the old-fashioned four-corner and give the ball to your, to your uh, main uh, uh, ball handler, and if he's a little pretty clever and can take care of the basketball, he's a great free throw shooter. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. So I think that rule is going to be uh, the biggest factor in, in, in the changes. And then the last rule I think is a good one, at least we're anticipating that you stop the clock on all made field goals, there won't be as much substituting in the latter part of the game, and uh, also uh, it will cut out maybe the ridiculous fouling down the stretch. That's what the rule was intended to do. So. All three real changes, I think, are okay. And okay, now we have two more here, though, Coach, too. The, the game clock stopped on each field goal in the last minute of regulation and overtime. Right. And no substitutions allowed during dead ball situations when the game clock stops after a field goal in the final minute. What's the implication there? Well, I think what they're trying to do, they're trying to cut out the useless fouling, you know, how we used to right. try to stop the clock and foul. And, and I personally liked it better when we had the one-on-one -one situation rather than two-shot foul because now that pretty much secures the game for you if you foul, whereas used to be uh, a lot of kids would miss those one-on-one -on -one and you have a chance to get back in the game if you're behind. It made it more exciting, I think. I liked it the old way better. But uh, basically, the rules committee usually doesn't listen to the coaches. <laughs> they do what they want to do because I think 7% of the coaches voted for the 35-second clock. So uh, uh, it was kind of amazing they put that baby in. But... Um, Personally, uh, you know, I think all th three rule changes are going to be good for us. I like them. Uh, I may tell you differently if 
three or four shows from now, but I like them right now. With uh, James Madison coming with Lefty Drizel, we think that's going to be a lot of fun because yeah. Lefty's always been a guy that has a good time and his team plays up-tempo and it's going to be fun to have them here. And, of course, we have Indiana State and Chase Locke feels like he's going to have, I don't want to speak for him, but I think he feels like he's going to be a, a little better and hopefully, you know, a lot better. And then uh, um, Western Michigan with Bob uh, Donwell coming in, we've got a, a, a great uh, opportunity to see three really quality coaches. So uh, we think we've got a very good field, and it's going to be you know a tough tournament. And you know, two years ago here, it was tough enough for us. Green Bay beat us, so uh, we'll see what happens. One uh, final word too, and I know you want to talk about this, and we do want to promote this. Will be your first night down in Indianapolis at Market Square Arena, which will be on December tenth, uh, and this will be a doubleheader. Lynn Dunn's team will be down there too. We think this will be a tremendous evening for Indianapolis-based fans, and. We know, of course, we want to get our Lafayette area and other Purdue fans down there as well, but this is still a great opportunity, I think, for the people down south. We're excited about playing down there, Larry, and we hope to sell it out. So we hope the Boilermakers get behind us and uh, come in there and uh, get after folks. So we're, we're excited about that game. We've got really a really great schedule this year. Good to see you. Great start to the season, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, Gene, and, uh, and we'll see all of you back here uh, next week on the Gene Cady Show. So long, everyone. A few final notes on the 1992-93 Boilermakers. In his first year of eligibility, sophomore Glenn Robinson led the Big Ten in scoring, ranked third in the conference in rebounds, and earned first-team All-America honors. He had 13 double-doubles on the year and scored a postseason record 36 in the loss to Rhode Island. He was certainly primed for a big junior year. The one player who would not be involved in the coming season the only senior in the spring of 1993, point guard Matt Painter. Painter led the Boilermakers in assists in his final season, averaging 4.5 per game to go with 8.6 points per contest. He shot nearly 50% from the field on the year while earning honorable mention all-conference honors. Painter wrapped his career in 11th place on the all-time assist list in program history. And even though Painter helped the Boilermakers to three NCAA tournaments in his four seasons at Purdue, you could say he missed out on the real glory years of the Katy era. But don't worry, things seem to work out just fine for that young man from Muncie. Next time on Katy Corner, we'll jump into the heart of the season, fast-forwarding through the team's perfect non-conference record and getting right into Big Ten play. Until then, Boiler Up. <laughs>